today. I am reading from Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For the sight, for the out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Amen. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the words that Jesus spoke, for the way that we can sit and learn um, at the feet of Jesus. And so, God, I pray that um, as we hear those words, um, as I speak these words that you've laid on my heart, that you bless us, that you call us deeper into a relationship with you, and that you cause us to live in the overflow that that creates. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So today we're beginning a brand new series, and it's called Overflow. So now if this is your first time joining us, whether it's in person or the first time you're watching us online, you're probably just thinking, well, cool, a new series. That's the perfect time for me to join in. Brand new. I got here just in time. But friends, you do not know where we have been. For those of you who have been with us since May, since early uh, summer, you know this series is more than just a new series, right? Now you're probably thinking, okay, I guess this is the Christmas series, right? That's kind of exciting. We're going to talk about Christmas joy and the story of Jesus. No, this is not just a new series. It's not just a Christmas series, but it's a transition out of the letter that Paul wrote to the Romans into a different area of Scripture. And it's been an incredible, wild journey that we've taken. We have processed Paul's letter to the Romans since the beginning of May. Let that soak in. The beginning of May. And it's been encouraging at times. It's been challenging at times. Last week, Pastor Japheth took us through the final sermon where we studied through the book of Romans together. And it was the end of Paul's letter. It was the last thing he was saying to the Romans. While writing the daily walk for this week and for next week um, and a couple more of the following, I had to stop myself from writing Romans. When I would write a text, I would automatically be like, oh, this is Romans 4, and realize that it is not Romans anymore. We are in the book of Luke, and I had to stop. It happened with Ephesians. It happened with Revelation, and I've had to catch myself and delete, and I really hope that if I haven't caught it, Becky will catch it, because then people are going to be reading the daily walk and really wonder what Union College theology department taught me about scripture. If we're talking about Revelation and I'm quoting Romans, um, it will be all over the place. Vanessa Rivera, she's been writing the Live Purpose section um, for some of the daily walks as well, and that's for our teens, um, for them to connect with the scripture, and it's a daily devotional for that as well. And she said she could not stop writing Romans either, so we kind of empathized about that um, because it was just so hard. It was such a dilemma. But it's been really incredible for us to study the entire book of Romans together as a church, all the way from our kiddos to the wisest of wise adults. And if you've been really dedicated, you've probably read all the daily walks, right? So you've read the scripture multiple, multiple times. You probably have read Romans at least six times through by this point. 
You've maybe listened to all the podcasts, you've maybe studied this in your connect groups or in your own time, whatever it may be. But it's actually pretty incredible that we've studied the entire book of this Bible together as a community and as a family. Not very many five or six year olds can say they've gone through the entire book of Romans um, all on their own basically. But as we transition into this new series, um, as we transition into this Christmas season, we look at this idea of overflow. I love that we're following up the book of Romans with the idea of overflow because Paul has filled up our hearts and our minds with so much sound theology and understanding of Jesus and salvation and now what it means to live in that tension, what it means to live in that assurance what it means to live in that joy. And when we live in that joy, we experience overflow. But there are some hiccups when we face um, this idea of overflow, when we talk about overflow. Because deep down, we don't really like the idea of overflow, if we're being honest. We're a measurement type of people, and we like to have just enough. If you're a baker, you know that measuring is super important. You can't just have an overflowing thing of flour. It wouldn't make your bread turn out right. A couple of weeks ago when I spoke, I told you about um, this cool feature that my refrigerator has with the water dispenser and how you can plug in the right amount of ounces and press a button and it goes. Um, And I told you that Kiefer decided he could use that feature without consulting me of how, you know, we should do it, um, and how he filled it up and it started overflowing. Um, And needless to say, I didn't like it. (laughs) I was not happy about it. To many, overflow means that something is where it's not supposed to be, right? It's overflowing. The water's supposed to be in the cup. The water's not supposed to be on the floor, which it was. Or if you were cooking for Thanksgiving, you might know the struggle that I faced of when your potatoes overboil. Did that happen to anyone? Well, okay, good, I was wondering if it was just me because I felt like such a Thanksgiving failure. But it's overflowing and then you get that smell of burnt water and oh, it's just a mess. But the thing is we want just enough, right? And overflow is messy. If your potatoes boiled over, you know it's a mess. We tell our kids not to take too much food. Maybe while they were getting refreshments, they were just piling up the sugar on the cream of wheat or the oatmeal, right? We don't want that to be overflowing. We're worried that they might spill if they fill it up too much. We usually think of the idea of overflow as something that has to be cleaned up rather than something that's a blessing. And we also don't know what to do with abundance, if we're being honest. For Thanksgiving week, Kiefer's family came and stayed with us, and we ended up with an abundance of fresh food. And when fresh food does not get eaten in time, it does not turn into fresh, it does not stay fresh food for a while, but it turns into not so fresh, not so good. And the idea is, even when I'm planning out for the week what kind of food I wanna get, I'm always kind of thinking, well, when would I be able to use that? Should I even get that? Should I get this much salad? Because if I don't use it within three days, it's gonna get slimy, right? So we don't like the idea of abundance because it just kind of messes with our thinking. It goes bad, right? We want just enough, and we never want too much or too little. We want the perfect amount. Overflow 
is also something that um, isn't very cool. If you have read any books or seen anything, people have started focusing on this idea of minimalism, right? So we want to be minimalistic, have, you know, only, we only want to have this much of this, this much of this. We don't want to have shelves cluttered, and everyone wants things to be minimal. So the idea of overflow has become kind of uncool as well. Having an abundance isn't cool anymore. But overflow is how Jesus works. Jesus lived in a constant overflow. He gave fully to the people in front of him because he knew he would never run out for the people in the future. So as all of you pull out your Bibles with me, if you want to grab a pew Bible or if you want to grab, um, open up the app on your phone, I'm going to cause you to stop and resist the temptation to open to Romans. We're going to be opening up to the Gospel of Luke. Just as Kevin read the words of Jesus um, in this parable that Jesus um, is telling all through the chapter of Luke 6. And Jesus tells us this story, um, as you're getting there, he tells us the story of a good tree and of a bad tree, right? The good tree has good fruit, the bad tree has bad fruit. And he says, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. And he reminds us that much like trees, people reflect what we're rooted in. Good trees can't produce bad trees, or bad fruit, and bad trees can't produce good fruit. So it's pretty simple logic here, right? Jesus is reasoning with the people. Um, and he uses this metaphor to tell us about ourselves as people, as human nature. Much like a good tree produces good fruit, a person with good things stored up in their heart will speak kind words and live a life of love. And counter to that, much like a bad tree is going to produce bad fruit, a person with bad things filled up in their heart and holding on to in their heart will speak negative words and live a life of pain and destruction. So we have this theory of gravity, right? What goes up must come down, right? We all learn this, okay? And so in this case, Jesus is starting to state that what goes in must come out. That's right. And isn't it the truth? We can even see it in the food that we eat. So the month before my wedding, I decided I was going to cut out any excess sugar because when I eat sugar, it shows up in the form of you know, pimples on my face, which is not very nice, and I didn't want that um, for wedding photos. And it, they definitely just, it wouldn't be a Kodak moment if I ate a bunch of sugar before then. But it was so hard because every Tuesday we have the Fresh Word Bible study here at church. And Jackie Hayes always brings lunch, which is so delicious. But then she goes above and beyond and she brings dessert. And then she goes another step and then she will come ask me if I want dessert, and she tells me exactly what it is, and the chocolate, and how she has ice cream to go with it, and, I, and I've told her, I told her at week one, I was like, I'm not gonna eat sugar this month, but every week she wanted to come double check that I hadn't changed my mind, um, but I persisted. And it's true, what we fill ourselves with, right, whether it's food, music, TV, video games, people, you name it, it will come out in some way, shape, or form eventually. Back when I was a kid, I had this little book of science experiments. I was a little bit nerdy. Um, and one of the experiments that I remembered was one that involved celery. It was really cool. 
So what you would do is you'd get a celery stalk, and you would cut it from the bottom all the way to the top, but you would leave part of it connected with the little leaves. And then you would take one cup of water and another cup of water, and you'd fill one cup of water with a bunch of blue food coloring and one cup of water with like a bunch of red, because you wanted it to be a color that was really prominent. And so then you would stick one half of the sliced celery in the blue cup and one half in the red cup, and you were supposed to leave it overnight. And the next morning, oh, the anticipation killed me because I wasn't a patient kid, and so I wanted it to happen like right then and there. But the next morning, what happened? What did I see? Half the celery was red and half the celery was blue, right? Now, why is this? Because celery, I found out by reading my little book, is mostly water. And it will soak up the water from the cup. And so if that water happens to be blue, well, then the celery is going to be a little bit blue. Or if the water happens to be red, well, then the celery is going to be a little bit red. This reminds us that we are what we absorb. Yesterday, Harper was in the office, and she was watching Peppa Pig. I don't know if any of you guys have that in your home. I, I actually haven't watched it, so it's Melissa. Good luck to you with more of that. Um, and she began to develop a British accent. So she was walking around speaking in a British accent until Melissa finally said, you know, I think maybe we should put that away for now. You know, use it for a different time. She also does a pretty mean Jfit impersonation. Like this British accent can go a few octaves lower and deeper, so she, you know, she has a great one. You should ask her about it sometime later and she'll have to show you. It's really, it's super cute. But what happens in this tree, what happens with the celery, what happens with people is that the roots that we have soak stuff up. And in return, that affects what kind of fruit there is good or bad, red or blue, American English or British English, right? What we soak up will affect how we speak, how we act, how we treat others, and even how we treat ourselves. As many of you know, um, during the month of November, we did a month of respect um, in the majority of our Camp Sanitas Connect groups for the kids. We had kindergarten and primary get together for a large group, and juniors and middle school get together for a large group. And they would do crafts and skits and talk about different aspects of what it means to respect um, for that first part of our connect group time. The first week, we talked about the general idea of respect and what the definition is, what it means. The second week, we talked about what it means to show God respect. And then the, thir or the third week, we talked about what it means to show other people respect. And then last week, we talked about what it means to show ourselves respect. It's so important for us as adults and to teach our kids to respect yourself. We live in a world of depression and anxiety, a world of he said, she said, and few who are brave to share their stories, a world where we rarely ever feel like we live up to even the status quo. It's so important to not speak negatively to ourselves and to allow it to get soaked up into our hearts. Last week I talked taught the middle school connect group, and we have this little tree in there that they've been, um, during October they did little leaves and we wrote stuff on there, and now we're starting to do ornaments. And so they um, were coloring in their ornaments, and I said, I want you guys to write the things that you appreciate about yourselves, the gifts and the talents that God has given you that you love. Um, show yourself respect, lift yourself up, and they just loved it. They made so many ornaments and their tree is already looking super beautiful. 
Jesus also mentions that people don't pick fruit off the wrong tree. So I wouldn't go to a vineyard and expect to pick oranges and make orange juice, right? That would just be kind of silly. And you wouldn't expect to find blueberries on a tall apple tree. It, it just wouldn't happen. A few weeks ago when Kiefer and I were visiting his home church in Arkansas, I heard an explanation and that I had just never heard about or understood before. Um, and it's the story about when Jesus curses the fig tree. And I was always kind of confused and brushed it off because I didn't really understand it. And you had to think like, well, I guess maybe we can just let it slide. Maybe Jesus was ha not having the best day, right? Or maybe he was just making a really good point. Um, or I just really don't know why he cursed the fig tree. It just really didn't make sense. Maybe he was mad that there was just no fruit at that time. Um, but what I learned was apparently when a fig tree has leaves, that means that it has fruit because the leaves and the fruit grow simultaneously. So when Jesus reaches into the leaves of the fig tree and finds no fruit, he sees that the tree is in the business of false advertising, saying there's supposed to be fruit here, but there's not. We look like we're fruitful, but we're not. Each tree is known by its fruit. You can't fake being something you're not. You can't pretend to have good fruit when you have nothing to show for it but just leaves. And it sounds so cl cliche and cheesy to say, be who you are, right? You guys have heard that, be who you are. And now especially in Boulder, right? Be who you are. I heard something the other day, it was like, you know, have the day that's best for you, right? These things are kind of cheesy, but it's important to remember to be who we are, to be who God created us to be. Um, as I have read more of Paul's writings and letters as we went through Romans and kind of counter-referencing, um, and as I see our church struggle as a whole, as a global church, I can't help but wonder if sometimes we're all trying to be the same fruit tree, right? It would make a really boring fruit salad, to say the least, right? Living in the overflow of Jesus in our hearts means that you live in the image of God, it means that you live in the gifts and the talents that he has given you and live them out to their very fullest. What would it take for us to give fully, right? That's a question I want you to ponder as we continue through this message. What would it take for us to live those gifts and live Jesus in our hearts fully? Um, as we talked about the celery experiment, I want to challenge you to do a personal experiment. Journal your days this week, um, just living normally. In the next handful of days, kind of write down like what you've been saying to people, things that you thought, oh, that was really you know, uplifting, or hey, maybe that was a little bit harsh, right? Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Talk about what happened that day and how it was affecting you, what you were soaking up. And then I challenge you to spend some time, spend some days soaking up Jesus, reading his word, whether that's in the daily walk or just in your Bible. Spend some time in prayer and peace with God and see how it affects you. Journal that and see how your words, how your life, how your own perspective on yourself and situations change. I know for me, I can tell when things aren't going good in my heart when I get really frustrated really quick, right? Our words to remember in this parable take the message home saying, what the heart is full of, the mouth speaks. 
So I encourage you to really take inventory of the words that you're speaking and let that pull you back to what's going on with your roots, where your celery stick is rooted in, where your roots are rooted in, and see what happens. What words have you been speaking this past week? Um, so for those of you who don't know, Kiefer and I just recently got a puppy. She's super duper cute. I should have brought a picture, but I'll bring one next week. She's adorable. Um, her name is Amadala for those Star Wars fans. Um, we call her Ami for short, and she is just the cute. She's three months old. We actually got her not by planning it, but because the Soapmans decided we needed a puppy, which was really kind of them. No, we told them to remember us when they got a new puppy. So Molly and Jackson and Matt and Stacy brought us home little Amadala. And so she's pretty sassy, though. She's very smart and very sassy, which is a horrible combination. Um, so one time Kiefer was trying to get her to come to him, and she was sitting down looking at him, and he was telling her, like, Ami, come here, come here. And instead of getting up, she just scooted herself around to look away from him. And so we're really a little worried about how this training thing is gonna go. Um, but I have heard that puppies are easier than kids, right? because you can't lock a puppy up in a crate, and the, or you can't lock a kid up in a crate and then leave for the day. So that is kind of a pro here. She's very happy to be in her crate with some toys for a couple hours. Um, so the words that I've been saying a lot this week have been no, or bad puppy, um, or let's go potty, or good girl, right? Those have been the words I've been speaking constantly. Um, these are all things a puppy needs to hear, though. They need to know that, no, you can't chew on my shoes, or that you need to spit that bug out. The other day, she had a bug in her mouth, and it was not good. Um, they, oh, she just inhaled it. Um, but the no's are done in love, right? I'm not telling her no to be mean to her. I'm telling her no because I love her. And so I've noticed, though, that after moments of stress and frustration in my own day, days when I'm not taking time to be in the Word and be with God, it translates to poor little Ami. Because when I'm just telling her no in a sweet way, it becomes a little bit more of an angry no. And I feel, I feel so guilty when I do that. Um, but I've been conscious of my words and actions this week because I knew I was going to be preaching on this. And it made me think and ponder, what have I been speaking and how have I been speaking it? When I filled myself up with the Bible, when I'm reading, when I'm writing the daily walk, when I'm focused on that, when I'm spending time with Jesus in prayer, I feel myself living in peace and joy throughout the day and sharing that with others. I find myself using kinder words with others. I've also seen what it looks like when I fill myself with my own negative thoughts and stresses, because um, what goes in must come out, right? So when I fill myself with stress and negativity and frustration, it comes out and throws stress and negativity and frustration at anyone else who gets in my way. Sometimes Ami, poor little thing, she doesn't know what's going on. Um, and so it's important to know that what we say goes out and affects someone else. Um, yesterday for chapel, we did a little experiment at Vista Ridge to kind of explain this parable from Luke 6. So I'm gonna ask Caleb, he's gonna come up and help me. Um, and so we have this nice 
tube of toothpaste. Um, it is Colgate. I'll have to check with Gordy and Sherry and Russ to see if it's dentist approved or not, but we're gonna use it for something other than brushing our teeth, right? So Caleb, I'm gonna need you to just squeeze out the toothpaste onto this plate. Just really squeeze out the whole thing as much as you can. There you go, yep. No one's ever done this here probably, right? You've always kind of thought about it or wanted to. Yeah, there you go, good job. All right. Caleb, that is fantastic. You've got some good muscles. So now, Caleb, um, that you've got that all squeezed out, I need you to do me a favor. Okay, because this is kind of a mess and we don't want to waste toothpaste. I need you to put this toothpaste back there. Can you put it? I need it all to go back into the tube. Mm, it's, that's not looking so hot, Caleb. Is it going to work? It's not going to work? All right, well, hey, thank you for at least squeezing it out for me. So you can't get the toothpaste, toothpaste back in the tube, can you? Could any of you? Do I have any takers? No? Okay. Just wanted to check because sometimes there's always someone that thinks they can do it. You can't get the toothpaste back in the tube. And sometimes our mouth gives us away and shows the bitterness, the impatience, the evil that's going on in our hearts. And we might end up saying something mean to someone or snapping at them. You can have good overflow or you can have bad overflow. Both show up eventually, um, and some of us are good at actually holding that in for a while, but it will eventually come out, because what goes in must come out. Sometimes we say things that we don't mean, but we can't take back. So the truth is, what you fill yourself with, right, is going to come out, and if it just so happens that it's not something that you wanted to come out, if it's a harsh word or something negative, you can't take it back. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. And the problem is that what our hearts soak up comes out and then it affects other people, not just us, right? And so a reminder is if when you see your toothpaste, when you brush your teeth every morning and every night like you should, right? Everyone, okay, cool. Um, is a reminder that what you say that day isn't something you can put back or take back. It's something that's out for good. And so what you fill yourself with, right, is either good or bad for you, right? I'm gonna make a bold statement and say there's no neutral. There's no in between. The people you talk to, the books you read, the music you listen to, the TV shows you watch, the food you eat, it's either good or it's bad for you, right? There's no neutral, there's no just oh, nothing will happen. And we see this in the trees in the Garden of Eden when God created, right? We see the tree of life. We see all these other trees that you can eat of. And then there's a bad tree. There's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. But the funny thing is, it switched from being able to eat from any tree but one to only one tree bringing life. And that's the tree that Jesus hung on, the tree that saves us. Jesus was rooted in God and it flowed out of him in an overflow. He gave of himself wherever he went to whoever was there. This almost annoys me a little bit because when I read stories about Jesus and I kind of watch how he just takes his time and I almost feel like he would be missing so many calendar appointments by in, like 
interacting with the people that just weren't appointments that all of a sudden show up, but Jesus takes the time for him. Um, I'm an ENFJ, so that J is kind of that structured, organized, and when I read these stories of Jesus, I'm like, he's definitely a P, he's not a J. Like, he's very go-with-the-flow kind of guy. But in reality, what Jesus is doing, he's not living as a P on the Myers-Briggs, he is living in overflow. He shows us what a life of constant giving looks like. He shows us a life of less self or less selfishness and more other-centeredness. He shows us a life, a life that is one that is worth following. So what if we followed his lead? What if we had less me and more Jesus? What if we had less Netflix and more Jesus? Less complaining and more Jesus? Less negativity in everything that we see and more Jesus? If we committed to filling ourselves with Jesus, what would come out? It would be Jesus, right? What we soak in, what goes in must come out. If we were committed to filling ourselves with Jesus, what would come out? Patience taking time for people. If we are committed to filling our lives with Jesus, what would come out? Love, peace, generosity, kindness, joy. The tricky part is actually something that um, JFIT and Becky addressed in the Daily Walk podcast at the beginning of the week. We don't just live as just a good tree or just a bad tree. Sometimes there is an in-between, right? We flip-flop back and forth because good things fill us and then good things come out, or bad things fill us and bad things come out. And so there's always this combination. You can't say someone is just going to produce goodness or someone's just gonna produce evil. So how do we fix this, right? I suggest that we start by giving, okay? It sounds counterintuitive. I suggest that we start living out this overflow in faith even when we don't feel like our lives are overflowing. To give what you have and give without hesitation. I wanna introduce you to a little boy in the Bible who did just this, who lived in the overflow with just the little that he had. He had just a little bit, but he lived as if his life was overflow. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of John chapter six. And in this story, um, in John chapter 6, Jesus has quite the following, right? He's really picked up a lot of people wanting to hear what he has to say. They know it's important. And Jesus has been talking all day, and he's, you know, trying to get some peace, and Jesus ends up having quite the hungry crowd on his hands, a very large hungry crowd on his hands. And so Jesus is talking to, you know, some of his followers, and He gives Philip a little bit of a test and asks him a question. He's like, hey, where do you think we could go buy some bread so that we could feed all these people? And Jesus is asking this question like he knows there's like a Costco right around the corner. Like, Philip, where do you know like we can get some food for this? Philip is baffled and he knows that there's no way they could never get enough money to be able to feed even half these people. He knows that it's just an impossible thing. 
then Andrew rolls up on the scene and he tells Jesus, well, hey, like we might as well start from square one. There's a little boy here and he has five barley loaves and a couple fish, okay? So it's something, but it's still not really enough at all. Um, and it's almost comical to think about this. Um, like if for refreshments, we set out like um, a little thing of Oreo cookies and then like one grande Starbucks cup with coffee, right? And we're like, hey, well, something, right? This is kind of what this meal is. And so it's not our usual spread. It, wouldn't, it wasn't the usual spread that Jesus was kind of thinking of for a group this big. But nonetheless, Jesus blesses the food and there is overflow. The little boy didn't have much, but he gave fully. He lived in the overflow even though he couldn't see it. He saw a handful of loaves of bread and a couple fish, but he lived as if it could feed everyone, and it did just that. So what would it take for us to give what we have? To give your lunch maybe like that boy did? To give the fruit you have growing on the tree? or? Chances are um, it's going to hopefully be good fruit and you'll have plenty left over if you give and there will mo more will grow. I don't know about you, but a lot of times, especially around this time of the year with so much going on, I feel like I'm running on empty, right? I feel like sometimes I'm just spinning my wheels and even when I have a free moment, it doesn't even feel like a free moment, right? Feel empty on time. Maybe you feel empty on resources. Maybe you feel empty on your energy. You just feel zapped. Maybe you're empty on holiday joy, right? I experienced just a little bit of that holiday joy because when I were walking through Target and I saw that they had 20% off on all the ornaments and I got really excited. And he's like trailing behind me with a like basket. We had to get like toilet paper or something, but here I am in the Christmas aisle. and. I was like, oh, Kiefer, look, 20% off Christmas decorations. And a guy walking this way looked at him and was like, I get it, man. <laughs> so, but maybe you're running low on that joy. Kiefer was a little bit of a Grinch that day. Um, but whether you're running low on time, you feel empty on resources, on energy, on joy, we talked about it. Maybe Christmas isn't a joyful time for you. Maybe. That blue Christmas is what you need to be able to mourn um, and recognize that it's okay to not have that joy in that moment. But when we're empty and when we have just a little bit, right, our tendency is to keep it, um, to reserve it for ourselves and to ration it out, right? If, you, if I gave you a sandwich and I said, that's all you're getting for the whole week, you wouldn't just eat the whole sandwich all at once, right? Or a glass of water. You'd ration it out. And that's what we do with our time, with our energy, with our resources. When we have little, we want to hold it, we want to reserve it, and we want to use it sparingly. But I challenge you to do something counterintuitive this week. To give what you have, whether it's a little, maybe a little more, and to watch the overflow happen. The definition of overflow, and I love this, is the excess or the surplus, not able to be accommodated by the available space. So what if this was us as followers of Jesus, that we were an excess and a surplus and we were not able to be contained by a space or a place? 
What if we lived in the surplus that is Jesus? How would that change the world around us? How would that change the conversations we have with others? We need to look at overflow, not in a negative light of being messy or a burden, but in a positive light. We need to live it and not just talk about it. Living in the overflow brings good trees with good fruit. It brings about good people with good hearts. It brings about joy in a world of pain and words that act like a salve for those who have been wounded. Today, I wanna choose to live in the promise and live out in faith that there is overflow even when I can't see it. And I'd love it if you would join me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have given us more than we can ask for. And God, sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes we feel empty and we wonder why. So God, I ask you to come close to those who are feeling like they're running low, whether they're feeling like they're running low on energy, running low on finances, running low on just the will to wake up and live out a normal day. God, I pray that you put in our hearts a faith so strong that we can live in the overflow even when we think it's not there. God, take our little, take our few loaves of bread and our couple fish and show us that it can feed thousands. It can feed thousands and have more left over. God, let us give the little we have and watch you work. I pray that you remind us that in Jesus, we cannot be contained by any spaces or any places. That when Jesus is in our hearts, the overflow has to happen. There has to be fruit because our hearts cannot even contain you, Jesus. Fill us up and let us fill others. And we pray all of this in the overflowing name of Jesus. Amen.